Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. You're listening to the podcast, so there I was. This is episode 58 with Chemo. Folks, first I have to apologize up front. The sound quality on this one is not the best. I made an error in settings during recording and recovered as much as I could, but it's not up to our standard. We hope you'll look past that this week because the stories are great. And I do have a new system for getting excellent sound to you going forward in the future. So this should be the last show with tough sound. On a couple other admin notes... We have a Patreon page to help us keep the engines running. So there I was.us slash Patreon. If you can step up and become a pilot on So There I Was, we'd greatly appreciate you helping us defer all the expenses of keeping this show coming and the great stories coming to you every week. Hey, we have a store to get cool gear. Hats, tees, polos, koozies, mugs, beach towels, even a bikini. So there I was. I had to have fun with that. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, if I could wear a bikini. So there I was dot US slash merch. Some things you can't unsee and some <laughs> images you can't get out of your head. Thanks a lot, Fake. <laughs> hey, listen, we're doing a show swap this week, too, with the Jordan Harbinger podcast, which is an amazing show. And we're going to talk more about that during the show. Hey, let's not forget why we're here today. Chemo. He's back. He is. And this show is titled The Hammer of God. Right out of the gate. The hammer of God. Right. And, you know, it's typical chemo. Uh, you know, he shows up doing 600 knots and he never slows down. And if oh. you can watch it on Rumble, you'll see what we're talking about. His hands are moving. He's he's shooting his watch. He's got great stories. Killing a cow. This has become a theme. Killing livestock. Have you noticed this? It, it, it's become a bad theme of our show. We've got to stop these animal murderers. <laughs> right. Uh. Uh, let's see. Listen, uh, there's some hilarious, there's some tragic, but it's all great. So don't sit on the ejection handle, buddy. Don't do it. I really appreciated that. Here's Keith. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. So there I was. It was a Friday afternoon on an early 2003 Top Gun graduation 1v1, the show to end all shows. And let's just say it was me, Goon One, against the Hammer of God. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is awesome. So uh, We can't hey, wait to hear more about that. Go on, Vic. The Hammer of God. Well... So welcome to So There I Was. Uh, that obviously, that is how all great aviation tales begin. And uh, we have a repeat guest who didn't get a chance to get all his stories in the first time. And I'm really glad he's back. Chemo. Welcome back, Chemo. Thanks, Figs. Thanks, Repeat. Happy to be here, guys. Yeah. Where is my cohort? tonight really. well uh guten abend from Köln, germany i'm here tonight been here on a nice long three-day layover having an absolute ball at weinwachen which is the wine walk the festival down the street so that's been a lot of fun as well oh my uh, there's always a festival here in germany it's good stuff so hey a couple other things though i want to take care of a couple admin notes this week first of all for those of you who don't know, you can go to so there I was dot us slash Patreon and help support the show. Thank you, especially this week, to our two new patrons who are supporting us and helping bring this show to you every week. Sal Marinello, Semper Fi, brother, and Peter Robinson. You're helping keep the engines running, so we really appreciate that here. Back to Chemo and the Hammer 
Oh, All right, we, you got it. Okay, so now my my spidey senses are on edge. Okay, so let's go through this. Walk okay. us through this. I don't know if they do it anymore because I'm old, and we used to have a lot of fun back in the day with regards to Top Gun and uh, the instructors uh, having a good time on their graduation one v one day, which is like their last Friday before everything was done. And just a quick summary of how it works: everybody kind of pours into the ready room or the the briefing room at Top Gun, and it's incorporated with the invites went out to just not just gold wingers, Air Force guys, Warbird dudes. When you'd walk out on the on the ramp, you would see everything from a P-51 to a MiG-21 to a MiG-17 to just eagles and hornets and Tom. It was crazy. They were there kind of for show. The, the civilian guys kind of just did this fly through, but it was there to provide the uh, a sense of, not confusion, but what's going to happen today? Who could I fight? It's always possible. Any one of these guys I could fight. And the way it would work is you would get an envelope. You'd sit down and they'd hand out envelopes. And on the red side or the bad guy's side, I was in the F-5 at the time. Our call signs were goon. And I think the other guys were top <laughs> whoever. <laughs> so we get our envelopes, and 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 everybody get an envelope, blue and red, uh, and you would you'd open it up, and you would have a waypoint and a frequency, and a time. That was it. Wow. And the way it started was just a big show off thing, and everybody would do their high performance takeoffs and whatnot. And we'd get out to the working area, and you'd go to the to your spot, you'd check in on the frequency. Theoretically, the other person would be there, and you would say fights on and the person that wins out of this 1v1 scenario gets to do the shit hot carrier break transonic as close to super as possible and the loser had to fly and report the initial approach mix to the high tech end back to back oh. to the station oh okay it's <laughs> <That's> embarrassing okay. <laughs> so that was the thing and so everybody was like god i just don't want to do that i don't whatever it takes and so i want to be that guy for us it was a guns only no missiles pure right. up how, yeah. Well, how well do you fight kind of a thing? Savage. So I, yeah, I think so. It's kind of fun that way because you take all of the, the toys out of it and you can actually see who can do what better with regards to 1v1 uh, basic fighter maneuvering and dogfighting. So I get my frequency, I get my waypoint, and I launch, and everybody launches randomly. So you can take off 20 minutes prior, 10 minutes prior, or right before, or whatever, and you kind of go to your waypoint, get on the frequency. And if it's ticking down, get a little nervous because I'm in a pretty old airplane, the F5, and I know it's going to be a Hornet, an Eagle, or something. And we've got right. we've got our bags of tricks, and I'm excited. So I check in at the appropriate time, and I basically say something like, you know, hey, good ones, check it in. Standing by, ready to play. Nothing. Crickets, crickets, crickets forever. So I call back to Top Gun Base, and usually when you do that, it's a time to fuck with the guy. So I put on my best, you know, red accent and i was like papa gonna base uh, this is a good one check it in <laughs> looking for my you know my opponent and they're like uh stand by good one <laughs> what's the matter what's the matter is he scared huh <laughs> I mean, I just, i'm going back i'm going up there and all of a sudden you hear all of a sudden finally you're like good one this is top gun one the hammer of god is on his way and I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I did a little oh, thing on the radio. And at the, at the same time, I'm like, holy shit. Okay, so it's probably going to be a Hornet. We'll see what happens. Anyway, so he finally shows up. And we proceed to check in. He finally checks in, fights on. And all I can do, you know, as an F5 guy, my whole job is to be sneaky because I don't have all the toys, the radar right. and whatnot. So right. I dip down to the lower part of the deck. And I know where he is, kind of, because I know the airspace, because I grew up there. You know what direction generally he's coming from. 
Yeah, I know which way it's coming from. So now I'm just trying to get my ADF to work, right? I'm like, hey, I'm having some radio problems. Can you uh, give me a radio check? Hey, what's the problem here? It's like, I got at least get a direct, you know, beacon direct right. where he's from. Like, oh, he's over there. <laughs> and so all I know is it's like, I will be defensive at the merge. It's no problem. But, you know, in the F5 world, I could say they have, they taught us very well. And I think it's just a function of the fact that we're in a substandard airplane to have an amazing lookout doctrine so that we can pick up people and whatnot. And so you kind of have this countdown, you know, he's like, all right, well, we're at 20 miles, it's been 30 seconds. We're probably going 400 knots, this, that, and the other. He's probably about there. And sure as shit, I pick him up and he's swinging my wing line and I kept the speed up. Anyway, we get into the, we get into the verge and we start. What flying. kind of airplane was it, Kimo? What kind of airplane? It was a Hornet. Aha. And it was, it was, it was a great, it was a great, and it was a graduating Top Gun student. It was Hornet, uh, fleet, fleet guy, really good dude. But, you know, the, the, it's very boisterous, and, and especially he's got about coming up on 90 degrees on me as, at the, the, the merge, and you can see his fangs are yeah. out, and he is just bleeding, and I take it over. And we get into a pretty pretty much a top part of a roller that goes into f- a flat scissors. Okay, kind of so I, I hate to do this to you because oh, the story's moving good, but I need you, you to know, slow I, down. I need you to slow down and tell tell people what the merge is and what kind of merge it was and kind of what a roller it is. Well, and then one other quick note, as long as I've interrupted, don't shoot your mic with your hands, all right? For <laughs> anybody that's not watching this visually, you are missing out on a show. He, he's going to get airborne if he moves his hands any faster. Got, I, forgot my, I forgot my watch. He's got, he, he he's got his bulletproof watch. watch. He's got his bulletproof watch. All right, all right. Sorry. Let me, let me back up. No, it's fine. I, I think, thank you for uh, re-caging my brain on our audience. I apologize. So the merge that we have is an air-to-air term to, to basically define how airplanes meet as they oppose each other. So they can have and – and what's interesting is we teach training rules that require us to have a minimum of no, no closer than 500 feet – left to left or right to right when we when we pass each other that's that merge as we get to where there's basically a zero zero line and then we start fighting uh typically for training rules it's about 500 feet and if it's wartime uh it's you try to make it zero feet and the idea is to basically dust them off and scare the crap out of out of them as, as you as you make the pass happen so that's kind of the merge and my merge you want to try to have a 180 out pass as in you want to have it left to left as straight as possible because there neutral, are no angles yeah, yeah you're completely neutral and there's nobody that has an advantage in this case i knew i was going to have a late pickup on this guy because i didn't have a radar and as i picked him up he was at my 10 o'clock swinging about my nine and he's just pulling so as the merge happens it it looks like this. So uh, he's already got his nose. Pretty sure bear, bring his nose to bear on your on right. your uh, tail already. Right. So okay. my my goal was knowing that I was going to be in that position. Not that bad. Knew I was going to be in that position was to keep the speed up. So as I saw him, I started to turn, but I just kind of eased off and just kept the speed there. So I just let him just dig, 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 and he got ninety degrees on me at the verse. So he's basically has ninety degrees to go. I'm defensive, and I've got probably two hundred seventy degrees to go. That being said, so I he's got a good looking sight picture, but he doesn't have. The oh yeah, left. he's uh, got a good looking sight picture, but I know we're guns only, so I'm not too worried about any missiles at the, at this moment, which is great. It's like back to Baron von Richthofen in the days of revolvers. Okay. Right. right. So, so as I see him just bleed to take the shot, I'm at 400, 450 knots, and I just literally just take it vertically, and I just watch him not make it, and I come over the top, which is now this roller, which is a vertical maneuvering fight okay. that occurs. Vertically, <laughs> we're yeah, both going around and around in these eggs, and we call okay. it a roller because it's kind of like a roller coaster. But 
you could convert that into other fights. So as I make it to the top of mine, he's coming up. I immediately reverse, and we get into what's called a flat scissors. And the flat scissors is where it's a one-circle uh, fight where we have merges bet between high and low aircraft, and the idea is to be the first guy to either get behind one of them yeah. or behind the other aircraft and shoot or not. And um, yeah. You're trying to get the other guy to fly out in front of you. Yeah, you kind you're of trying to slow down, down as much as possible right. and let him fly Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so it's a Top Gun maneuver. You put the brakes on and he flies right by. Well, not right. <laughs> oh, wait. No? breaks <laughs> out. So I was fortunate. And, you know, as an adversary guy doing the, the, the sniper stuff and all the bad guy stuff, we, we dogfight all the time as yeah. compared to these other guys. So we really get to, we really get to learn, yeah. you know, how to how to how we learned about our jet we know our jet it's like a pair of jeans we can take it to a very extreme point in the aircraft where if you weren't that proficient you might not so i think that baron von richthofen had a saying or a, a quote in his journal and it said the size and quality of the box matters little what matters is the man that sits in it and it's a function of you could have a substandard airplane but if you could fight and this other guy can't it doesn't matter and so anyways as this goes I'm able to flush him out. <laughs> and it's funny because there's some boisterous talk as we're going through this stuff. It's like, oh, better look out. You know, just, just standard chest beating. Talking smack at each other. Nice. As, as we're fighting. And yeah. he makes the mistake and he flushes out in front of me. And as I come back around, I'm like, oh, this is going to be sweet. And I literally, you know, because it's just error capitalization. And so as he comes back around, I kind of, you know, the professional thing is to say, trigger down, snap, pippers on, tracking. Not now. This is Top Gun graduation. So as he's coming by, I'm going to go. <laughs> and then he reverses. <laughs> anyway, just a little more. Let me do it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get a few passes and I say, that's a kill. Knock it off. And he's like, ah, knock it off. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to let you do the high tech. And we had a great time. Just get on my wing. And let's go rip, rip, rip it back through the pattern. So. I took him back in the pattern. We just we, and we took him into the shit hot carrier break for the for the winter circle, if you will. And and it was a great time. Uh, but it was kind of fun because, you know, we had a very overconfident uh, Hornet driver that that picked on uh, I don't know a guy that got lucky a little bit luckier in his old F five. You know, hammer of God. Yeah, who'd have thought? I, and I literally I, we got to the bar at the club after it was all done. I'm like, dude, you're telling me I crushed the hammer of God? That's awesome. That's a great <laughs> right? story. So. Yeah. So, but you talked about knowing your aircraft so well. The question I have: Did you know it so well that you remembered to keep uh, both your throttles on at the top of your vertical fight this time, or was? Sorry, had to. Yeah, that That's, was. Uh, that was a fast story. Do you want me to go into yeah. that again? Because that was no, no, no. We yeah. got you. Stuff can happen. Yeah. But you know? that being said, it seems to me you might be responsible for an extra stake or two out there. Who's uh, you, you might have killed a cow? So oh one? Jesus! I did. <laughs> I did. So this this is back in the day when men were men, and the word the bottle to throttle rule was advisory in nature. No drinking within fifty feet, right? Yeah, That's no right. smoking within twenty four hours. No drinking within fifty feet. So when I first checked into my squadron, VF-31, one of the best fighter squadrons in, in, in the nation, uh, we had uh, an event up in Fallon, Nevada. And I was a NAVCAD, as you know. So I checked in. I was an Ensign, JG. I don't even know. I think I made lieutenant before I checked out. I'm not sure. 
Either, either way, I'm the junior kid. And so yeah, right. if you remember Fallon with all of the things that we did out there, this is some of the best flying on the planet. But other Absolutely. than that, oh. Absolutely. We went up there for S Sparps, Air to Ground, this, that, and the other. Tomcats are, Tomcats are dropping bombs, et cetera, et cetera. We have a great time. But the typical all officer meetings that we've had that would typically be in a ready room when in Fallon would be at Salt Wells or the Mustang Ranch because. Yes. They had a very big ready room type of place with beer yeah. that was very, very inexpensive. And it was cheap beer, so we're the skipper. Very cheap. Hey, what I remember. Salt Wells, AOM, 1400, whatever. And uh, we we go there. This is before Salt Wells. I think Salt Wells uh, is no longer. I think it burnt to the ground. And it is no longer there, last I checked. Oh, no. but, uh, I think it was like four or five double wides connected behind barbed wire fencing. And yeah, God, that's my first time there. And you kind of. Pretty fan dancing. Yeah, and it goes, and you open the door, and you're like, is this to keep us in, out? This is kind of scary. I don't know. We get to the bar, and Mama Son's there, and the, the squadron shows up. And, hey, you can't beat $1 pitchers at a pool no. table. So No, you can't. You can't. So we have our AOM there, and as we do this, we, by the way, are talking about the next day's events. And Skipper stops, Possum looks at me and says, hey, Kimo, you got the Skipper watch. And I was like, Roger that. Uh don't we have a six? Shut up. You got the skipper watch. Make sure that we're back for the brief at 6 a.m. I'm like, yeah, hey, Roger that, sir. Well, we proceed to get utterly shithoused at this place. <laughs> I have a great time. We stop at, remember the uh, casino that had like five cent craps? Uh, I'll get it in a second. But it's like, it's not there anymore. But we went there. I think that's the one that Ivan Putsky broke a toilet at. I could be wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think you're right. <laughs> I'm talking about it. <laughs> We had a uh, squadron mate. Ivan, Ivan Putsky was his alter ego, and uh, yeah. he was standing on a toilet in the yeah. casino one night, <laughs> and uh, it might have cracked literally in half. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it That's was time to bug out after that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so it, you get the story. Basically, we get back to the base at the queue at about 2 a.m. for a 6 a.m. brief. It's a four-plane division, four-ship, whatever you want to call it, ingress, opposed, low-level route, up north, back down south into Bravo 17 for a live drop of Mark 82s. Nothing too big, but we all had a bunch of Mark 82s. And we're going to do this thing and, and go. So we have this whole mission planned. Luckily, we planned it the day before. And we wake up and we're, we're walking to the jets. And all of us are just in the standard mental state of preparedness. We start up, we go. And we had, luckily, uh, Link 16, which is uh, JTID's very uh, secure comms. So we had a little thing going. And so... Everything is cool, and then we all feel like shit, and we take off. And the route, if you can picture on a map, Fallon, Nevada, just go east for X amount of miles, go north for a ton, back over, and then back down. We're going back into Bravo 17 to drop a bunch of bombs, and uh, the time on target is this, X, whatever it is. So we're taking off, and in the Tomcat, it was just like the Viper where you can kind of go, all right, so I'm going this fast. Here's my fuel flow. You're going to make it to this waypoint based on your routing at this time. And I've... I'm looking, and I'm I'm dash three on this battle box formation, which is basically one, two on the top forwards, and three and four in the back portion of a of a box pat of a box formation going into the route. So I kind of look at my stuff. And I'm like, hey, one, I can't remember his call sign, Sluggo. Hey, confirm time on target. And it's like, wow, it's X. And I'm looking at it going, dude, we're like five minutes late. This is because we're just we're totally not where we need to be. And uh, I'm like, well, one. We are freaking late, dude. And all of a sudden, he looks at me and he's like, no, we're, you hear him? He's like, no, we're not. We're Tomcat's gate. Gate means afterburner, which means 
let's go because we're late. So he advises <laughs> all four ships, hey, Tom Catskate, so we launch. I was dash two, that's right, because my buddy's behind me, so to speak. And he is looking at my airplane about a mile back and said, dude, the coolest thing I ever saw was an F-14D GE motor going to full afterburner because the glow was so amazing, even at just inside of a mile. It was crazy. But So we just start going. And we realize that we can't do this entire route and make the time on target. There's just no way we're going to do it. So as you know, ACMI pods are the tax range. We have the ability to make sure we're we're emitting or not. So we make a great call, which I think to this day stands to record as being a great call for improvising, adapting, and overcoming. Uh, Our lead goes, well, we're not going to go that far. Gents, circuit breakers off. Hook left, we're going through that fucking valley right there. And it's about halfway <laughs> through the entire route. So we basically cut the route in half and we come back around, which is fine. So we go there, we meet up with the opposed uh, uh, adversaries at the time that uh, didn't realize where we were. So we destroy them and we get back on a route with about plus or minus a minute now. So we're like looking good, but we're still about a minute to go. So we're like, dude, Tomcat's gate. So I just, we're about 500 feet and this, the, the rules of supersonic uh, flying and found is weird because it's like 11,000 MSL is your floor for supersonic flight. Okay, that's above mean sea level. Yep. Yeah, but a mean sea level, but you don't realize that there's terrain that kind of is, that's, that doesn't adhere to that. So there's, right. there are points where you shouldn't be supersonic at 11,000 feet. That being said, it's the first place that I actually got to see on my HUD uh, 910 knots at 500 feet. Oh. <laughs> If ground speed, uh, we we gotta make time on target. So, and I've never experienced we're 500 feet. So, the, just the the tunnel vision you have of just going so fast. Oh yeah, altitude is just amazing. So, I'm looking at my wingman. I'm looking at the HUD. I tell my backseat, I'm like, dude, this is kind of cool. He's like, what's up? He's like, I can barely see anything. It's kind of <laughs> we're going so goddamn fast. Uh, and then I realize <laughs> we're about we're a few miles to go. We're catching up to time on target. We're gonna make this thing. It's great. And all of a sudden, as I I kind of look over, look for it. I see this little green speck go to green square and gone with probably within a half a second. I'm like, oh, was that? A, was some, that somebody live there? I don't know. I don't, I don't, whatever. I don't know. So let's keep going. So we go <laughs> and we, we pop over and we, we drop our bombs, shack attack. We're within 30 seconds. So we're like, well, that was pretty good considering five minutes. Yes. Ooh, so we're very happy. We land and we're supposed to debrief at the, the Nautic Commanders headquarters or NSOC or I can't strike back in the day, you know? Yeah. Big right. auditorium, taxes playing. And there are, they're not flag level, but I, I almost flag level people running around. What the shit? How could this fucking happen? I can't believe we need to find out where these people were. Not, and we're walking and going, yeah, right. yes, right? It's not a problem. No. So we, really. we sit down in the big briefing room and our skipper comes out and he goes, I need to know exactly where you were for the routing. It's like, well, Skipper, you got our brief. Here's our route, A through whatever. <laughs> okay, great. So here, the, here's the funny part. With your tax pods, circuit breakers pulled. Obviously, there's no emission. So they only can see us on their their ATC radar sweep or whatever, which is right. once every 30 seconds. I don't remember what it was. It was pretty slow back then. So when right. you're going 910 knots ground speed, they get a blip on one part of the earth and the next thing you know there's like another blip you know way far from that first blip so there was no ability to really correlate where we are thank god basically we had this report going and there were pictures shortly after uh that little square that i flew over at 910 knots ground speed which is about 1.6 mach uh, and a tomcat at about 500 feet oh shit 
You're rocking. Uh, <laughs> with this picture, on board. Yeah, there's this picture to this day, and, and my wife still has it. And I'll tell you why my wife still has it. But it's a single wide trailer that is literally kind of off kilter just a little bit. Every window is blown out, and every domestic animal, including this cow, is on its side with its legs out. I mean, oh, probably from a heart attack. I don't know, but oh, everything is dead in front of the, the trailer is a mess, but allegedly we don't know to this day necessarily who did this. Allegedly. Allegedly. So luckily the legal officer of our squadron was able to help make that all go away. Roll forward about three months. Uh, my wife's a nurse at the hospital in Fallon and she's working with this woman, and something happens that brings up Navy pilots, and all of a sudden she's like, those goddamn Navy pilots, I hate those guys. Oh, my God. And my wife is like, dear God, what's going on? She's like, they killed my cow. (laughs) And my wife is like, this wasn't, you know, this date around this time, was it? Yeah, how'd you know? I was just guessing. You know, so she called hey, remember that cow you killed? Yeah, what's wrong? I'm working with the owner of that dead cow. Oh. Oh, and I was like, maybe it's all good that they paid her off. You know, she got another cow. She was still very upset. Well, I yeah, say, I never thought I'd. I mean, I, I've I've dropped some bombs in the desert, but I've never said I've been able to kill cattle with with a tomcat and a and a, and a pesto wave. So. And and now you have. And now I have. And so, <laughs> and, 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 and in, a, in a way, I I feel like the the, the what is it the the right is the, the the time between accident and event to now is. It's statute of limitations is, going, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. 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 Statute of limitations is over. I think we're good. So I'm I'm in full admission mode with you guys right now. So. But you became the hammer of God. <laughs> you you were the hammer of God for that <laughs> that day for that cow's purposes. Oh man, poor cow. I hope they got some steak out of it at least. But I, I don't know. It, but it was a terrible picture. I mean, it's like there's no way that was me. But I so who, wait, who took that? Where did this picture show? Where did you see this picture? It was kind of like a CSI crime scene post incident. You know, the NCIS. Oh, they went out to pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then they came back with the photos and I was like, oh, wow, this is terrible. I can't believe this happened. Who could have done such a thing? We have to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Luckily, there's a lot of not being able to confirm nor deny. And I can't say that it was me, but I just remember the green patch. And so. Yeah. All the t- over time, it, it all correlates and triangulates back to our event, and it is what it is. So I'm sorry, oh, cow, with the cow, but I'm sure the Navy gave you some money, and I'm sorry. And then so, your wingman Bluto. What happened next? Oh God! So Bluto's a terrible. That's an unfortunate story. My, uh, yeah. I uh, had, I, I didn't have a. You know, you have a lot of friends who went through flight school, but not a lot for me that really. St- stuck out is really tight. I had a good handful of dudes and Bluto was one of the guys out of flight school uh, that, that really, we got pretty tight. He was in my sister squadron VF 11 uh, when we were getting ready for cruise and they called him Bluto because he looked like Bluto from, from animal house. You know what I mean? Just a blonder version of it, but you know, he could nice. shave, he could shave an, every hour and it was, he would still have that shadow. You know? Yes. And we had we had a great time together. This is back when we, when beer first started becoming important, like for people that made it, like craft beer. And so he started making beer, and he was like one of the newer guys. I'm like, why, dude? Let's just go to the store and get some beer. It's like, oh yeah, try. I made this raspberry IPA. You know, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But so we'd go over to his house and we'd drink all this great <laughs> beer. So he was into that. That was kind of the era. This is like 1994, 95. 
And so anyways, we, to get to that story specifically, we were getting ready to go on, on deployment and whenever, whenever this, the, the, the cruise ships or the destroyers or whatever need missile profiles and can't get the contractors to do it, the Tomcats would step up and do missile profiles for the ships. And because we could be hella supersonic and at the end of the day, we would fly, uh, do a nice supersonic flyby of the boat of whatever boat that was. And so they loved it. And that's really what it is. And it was a very basic mission. So me and Bluto were going to take off and point our noses at these ships and go crazy fast so they could do their training on how to handle incoming missiles to a ship. And that was that. Let's, this is the start of the era. It's been on your show before of the GE 110 motor and, and how there were issues with afterburner and oh, right, right. Okay. burner blow through all that kind of stuff. So we're, right. we're in that era, but this is different than what was before in a way, but regardless of the systems that malfunctioned, um, we had uh, me and Gaz and Bluto and Scooter in, in these aircraft. And we um, were doing this missile profile and I finished mine and I came overhead him and we were going pretty fast. So he's probably going about, Six six bills, six hundred plus knots. You know, as he's passing by okay. this ship, and as I'm watching him, he's going to fly by this ship, and he's going to join up on me, and we're going to go back to the boat. And it was as simple as that. So I pull off my air, I, I do my flyby, yay! I kind of pull over. I see him with his ship about five hundred feet above him as he's going to by the ship, and I'm and I'm looking down at the ship and the flyby, and I'm like, well, that's, that looks pretty cool. It's kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this plane explodes Ooh. and starts cartwheeling. And I'm like, my first, my first question was, why the hell is he salvoing his flares? You know, that's, oh, what, oh, I, yeah, I literally right. had no, I had no, um, I had nothing to compare it to. It was just the oh, most shit. surreal thing. Yeah, the last so, thing you're thinking is a guy's jet's blowing up in front. Yeah. Of you. And this, this was yeah. like, it was so, it, it was so fast. It was like, there was like a, Hey, you're on, I see smoke. Hey, slow down. It was, it was like, Boom. Bang. That, uh, so as he, it, just as he passes the ship, the whole thing just explodes. The wings, I see, I see cartwheel. I see two smoke, uh, indications of what I think are seats. And, uh, I'm looking over the head. I'm, I'm looking over this boat going, holy shit. And so I finally get out of the, what is that? What could that be to realize, wow, that just, this, this just happened. So here's the twist a little bit. Gauze, my backseater and scooter, the backseater of the other aircraft that just blew up are like yes. the best of friends. They are oh, like, shit. so there is literally screaming in the back, literally a, a hysterical person that I'm, I, that I can understand as to why, because my buddy is in the front and I don't know. Yeah. So we had, yeah. we, we basically coordinate SAR and uh, we wait until they get there. They relieve us and we go. And I know I'm going back to the boat. We're not really blue water ops, but we're close enough because I've spent enough gas there to where it's like, we're going back to the boat. And yeah. that's it. Luckily, it's all good. And uh, so, kind of, sorry, sorry. What's blue? What's blue water ops? Blue water ops is uh, where you have no divert or alternate airfield or boat. So you basically have the carrier, and you have a whole lot of ocean, and you're either going to land on the carrier or you're going to float in a rubber taco until a helicopter picks you up. So <laughs> that's that's your choice. So that's blue water ops. Blue yep. water ops is not is always something that you're you get used to, but you hate because you realize you got one spot. So please nobody foul the deck. Please nobody do anything stupid. Let's all get on the boat. So I check in and you hear 99 mobile recovery. And I said, oh, thank God. Because one, it's a guaranteed okay pass. 
<laughs> but two, it means that there's a little bit of pitch and deck and the, the landing signal officers are controlling the glide slope of the recovery process of your aircraft manually by his eyeball where he's putting the meatball vice a normal ILS-ish Fresnel lens three-degree glide slope that you would see right. automatically compensating for C-state, right? So, but as this is happening, I got this guy in the back seat just literally, he is... I, and I'm not giving him shit. I mean, he is hysterical. He has literally lost his mind. And I'm like, guys, and this is where I kind of sit there and go, thank God the Tomcat didn't have flight controls. I'm so happy because <laughs> you can sit there and do whatever you want back there, and I don't care. I, I said, guys, man, I either need you with me or I'm going to turn you off. And you can do your thing, but I just need you to either – you're going to be with me for this, for this, for this arrival or you're not. So right. – yeah. Okay, I'm fine. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Like, okay, I, okay, it's off. You're off. I'm done. So I come back basically just on my own and we land and, and, and it's just, it's horrible, man, because that happened. And as we land, the SAR helos landing as well. So we chain up and we go over there as close as they'll let us. We can see that they are just a big old mess of flail injury, just a total, uh, they're, they're done. And, uh, here's the, here, here's the other twist. Ouch. The information that came back to the boat, so they were ready seven and we were ready eight, which are the ready rooms of, of our operations below the flight deck. Okay. Somehow got, the messages got crossed or the wires got crossed, and everyone thought the guy that exploded was me. So as, and, and no one's paying attention to the plat, the screens or nothing. I land, I, 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 I get undressed, and I get in the ready room. And it's like everybody saw a ghost. And I was yeah, like, a ghost walks in the ready room. Yeah. Holy. I was, like, I was like, why? And they're like, Dude, they said it was you. I'm like, no, it's Bluto, you know, type of a thing. And we get it, and then I walk over to Bluto, and it, now, and that, and that's going. They're they're pissed because that's not Bluto walking through the door, you know. And they probably right. get it, but but it was yeah, it's a such a terrible, terrible uh, situation. And we got back. Luckily, I say luckily. I mean, he didn't have any kids. He was married to a great girl that has since has been remarried and whatnot. But uh, it was it was pretty it was pretty rough. And to this day, I mean, we. You know, there's still nothing that will make me cry, like, immediately other than the flyby, missing man formation, post-funeral oh, yeah. of your bro. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing uh, worse than that for me. And so I've only had to do that a few times. I've had to do it a few times, but uh, it's, that, yeah. that's the hardest that's part. That's rough. So, so that, yeah, that's, that's what happened to Bluto. He's got a – and he was an academy guy. And every time I see – you know, my daughter went to the academy as well. So whenever I go back and we walk – I'll see his name on the wall, you know, and it's just, you know, there's always a toast to Bluto. So uh, he's, he was a really good man, and uh, I'm really glad I could share that. I wish I could share more of the things that he did more than the incident that happened because he was he was a really good pilot and a really good uh, uh, guy, a leader, officer. Yeah. And uh, so that's that. Well, that was that. That was that. Uh, that correlated to that engine, having yeah. that engine problem. So like, you uh, had. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was like right in between in the midst of them trying to figure it out. And after that happened, they they basically we deployed with no afterburner. We had a restriction on the use of afterburner except for operational necessity. As in, like, you need it to not get any slower so you can get out of bad guy land because you're getting shot at. But otherwise, there was no afterburner use whatsoever because of all of the incidents that yeah. happened. And they finally cleared it out once you got back from cruise. So, Well, we've talked to... Uh... Couple, two, couple guys two, been on, yeah. yeah. Two different F fourteen pilots on this podcast that uh, left gave gave one back to the taxpayers because of that motor. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish I could remember his name, uh, his call sign, Comet. Did you talk to Comet? He was, he was the guy on the Discovery Channel. No, uh, but we yeah, talked to the guy we, watching him. Uh, yeah, we talked oh, okay. to happen though. Yeah, yeah, uh, we were in flight school. And that's the thing. Yeah. We went to flight school together. It's crazy. <laughs> God. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but yeah, oh. it's, it's crazy times, man. I can't tell you. I mean, because I sit there, my wife and I sat down at the bar and we were like, baby, we're out of fingers and toes as we all have, yeah. you know, with our lot of yeah. brothers that have, that have, that have bought yeah. it. And absolutely. It's just absolutely. so crazy. That's, that's the terrible part. All right. Yeah. So that was, I'm assuming, before um, you experienced it. I've got a note here about a hydraulic failure you had. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, I, that was in the Tomcat. It was actually a pretty fun one. This was on our way to, uh, let's, I can't remember if we go to Hong Kong first out of Hawaii or if we go to, uh, like, Seoul. Anyway, we're heading that way to on the Westpac. And we're in between Hawaii and, uh, you know, our next port and of course we're all, we're, we're training and getting ready you know got to kind of stay prepared and uh, we call off some yeah. some some launch and uh the air it's you have to forgive me for my knowledge of systems on the tomcat because it's been a while but you basically have two systems and you have a bi-directional pump that kind of it's kind of like a a pump that's interlinked that can kind of help if one fails you got this other thing to help kind of yeah. manage the other system Either way, you got, you know, it's a standard thing for any plane. You got one system that's like gear related, the other system that's like flight control related. We take off, we're doing this thing, and it's a, it's a, it's a big exercise. And all of a sudden, master caution, hydraulics, I look down. I, oh, I hate my life right now. Hey, Chunks, Chunks is my backseater. It's like, we just lost, yep, we just lost the left side, which is our hydraulic side. I can't remember if that was, they call it the combined side. And then we had a okay. flight side. Partial gear, partial flight controls, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, stuff like that. No, all I knew is I was like, well, I'm going to have to manually drop the gear. Flaps are going to be either stuck or locked back. And we're going to be fast coming back to the boat. Either way, it's like we immediately knock it off. We start heading back to the boat. Ask for an emergency pull forward, which is the, uh, the code words for basically get everything away from the landing area because we're coming in. And you're not expecting us because they're waiting on their cycles and whatnot. And it was, I'm going to call it slightly uneventful other than the fact that I, it's probably due to just my naivete and immature, not, I want to call it immaturity, but just to me back then it was like, eh, is it your hydraulic. lack of experience? Yeah, it could be. I just, I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know. So I was like, well, the plane's flying. I'm not too worried about it. Chunks of the backseat. I was like, holy Jesus. <laughs> <You know? laughs> hey, Kimo, was this Nate daytime or nighttime? Daytime, thankfully. Okay. Thank you. God. All right. Thank it was you. Nighttime, I tell you what, it was uh, that would have I would have had a probably a different okay. attitude. And okay. so, and that, so it was chunks a lot more uh, senior in the squadron. Yeah, he was of course senior. everybody was more senior to you in the squadron, but that's <laughs> everybody was. Senior. He was, very, he was uh, a senior O three, so not a okay. not an O four, but a senior Jo, uh, good dude um, that had a very had a lot of experience in uh, Tomcat compared to me. Um, and so that being said, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because I, I kind of am glad because I'm, at, as I look back on it, I, I look back and go, wow, maybe you should have been a little more concerned. But I think my lack of concern, <laughs> my lack of concern allowed me to just kind of do what I do that pilot shit, you know, and just get it back to the boat. But so right. as you do the emergency pull forward, the, the hydraulics are gone. It's, it's very hard to fly. It's not, it's, you know, the stick is much stiffer. You don't have a lot of the power steering, if you would, that you, when you have hydraulics. And so it's, I wouldn't call it just basically cables and cables and 
and maneuvering devices, but it's pretty much that with no hydraulics. Kind of like your dad's truck that you had back at the farm, but the hose the hose to the power steering popped off, but you still wanted to go meet the girl, so you're going to drive it anyway, and it's just like you're trying to yeah. make these turns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That's what I had. That's what I had. And I'm like, just so once you got it on center line, it was okay, but uh, it was one of those things where it's like, we don't want to go around. So luckily I was able to get it, get it uh, lined up and on, on the ball. And, and uh, I just let it settle into that one wire nicely and set the hook and caught it. And <laughs> so I kept it at centered ball until I saw that ramp going. I just went, fuck it. <laughs> and I pulled the files back, went to idle and it shot it right back in the middle and let the, po- let the plane stop, set the hook, pulled it, pulled the stick back, felt the hook hit. And Oh my God, I was just the happiest guy ever. And as they chain us up, um, you know, the canopy comes up, trunks comes from around. And, and again, I sit there like, I'm kind of tugging on, I, was it that bad? And, and again, now as I mature through the aircraft, yeah. my years in the squad, I sit there like, dude, that was kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was good. I'm, you didn't really know, right? Yeah. I, I'm glad I wasn't, I'm glad I wasn't that knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is uh, this is a related question, but not really. Uh, sure, this is just for me. The the sweep on the uh, wings uh, was that hydraulic as well? Yeah, it absolutely was. So luckily, okay. luckily, as soon as you started slowing, so if you were going fast, right, the wings are back, and they're they're relative to mock with regards to where the sweep was twenty five to sixty three or whatever it was. All right, all right. Um, so luckily, that was one of the part of the procedures. We just slowed down, got the turn coming. The wings are coming out. Once they were out, we left them out and uh, kept them in that configuration because, yeah, they were stuck back. And to get them manually forward, you know, at the further back you go, the faster you got to be. And, right, right. And I think there was a, a, a situation in the, in, the, in the pocket checklist that basically talked about if your wings are somehow stuck aft in that 68 degree position or something it was like this ridiculous airspeed like you had to go to edwards air force base like just <laughs> go over there in order to get it stopped you, to, in order to the top, 29, foot runway or something they've got yeah like 220 <laughs> knots you know and so something you never thought would ever happen and the d's were so new that all i cared about was i mean the hydraulic issues were there but you know we didn't have the issues like the a's do with compressor stalls and losing motors and things of that nature but the hydraulic systems were still the same you know so yeah yeah. So it was what it was. But yeah, well, so I'm that glad it worked out that way. Yeah, it worked out great. Better lucky than good, I always say. Yes, every time. Minimal every skill, time. <laughs> luck and timing. So, so. Uh, you you spent some time in the uh, Air Guard. I did. With the tacos out of Albuquerque, right? So I did. You, can you just back up and kind of remind, repeat now, your, you did uh, your obligation on uh, in the Navy. Is that when you got in the Guard or how that I work? did that work? You know, it's kind of funny because uh, when I went to a, an adversary squadron, which was ends up being a reserve squadron in, in the Goldwing world, even down at Yuma. And so you check in with people who your skipper works for Delta and the OPSO is an American guy. You know, there's a FedEx. dude. So it was a very strange world. And there are very few people that were hard charging guys that want to go to Top Gun, go back to the fleet and do this stuff. It was, you know, the skiff uh, or this secure compartmentalized information facility yeah. room at our squadron had like the three dash one tactic stuff. And the rest of the room were binders on every airline in the world that was hiring at the time. And the oh, with all the gouge. <laughs> yeah. right. Now that's top secret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I walked into that going, okay. So anyways, 
So I get on that track. I'm like, okay, this probably sounds like a good deal. I'll stay here as a reservist and I'll join the airlines. And okay, that sounds great. So in the process of doing that, there's a lot of people also rushing, quote unquote, the guard, which I didn't think about too much. Yeah, there's Air Force dudes that are at air shows and they fly these jets and you're in the guard. And I didn't, I didn't, I never followed the guard process. And they kind of got, I kind of got talked to about how cool it was. I'm like, okay, cool. And it, it's, it's essentially cool. I mean, you kind of go, hey, you can live here. You can fly these jets in your backyard and uh, you deploy every once in a while and you come back and you're home and you can live at home and fly these jets. It's like, okay, great. And I'm a New Mexico guy. So I was like, well, shit, I'm going to start taking a look at the guard. And I had a couple of buddies. It was an A7 squadron when I first knew them and they transitioned to the F-16. So I had a bunch of A7 dudes and my wife was an Ordi or a bomb bunny or a, I don't know what they called them. In the Air Force, but she was one of the orties that kind of did all the bomb stuff. And yeah. So, was she in, um, was she in the guard? Was she a yeah, guard? She was in the guard. I met her. Yeah, she when we were we were in college together. She did that for GI Bill and that all yeah. other stuff. Okay. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, that's great. That's that. So I kind of check them out. So I already know some people, and I rush them. And at the end of my Navy commitment, they offer me a position there to go fly the uh, the Block Thirty and Block Forty mainly F sixteen, and I'm like. That sounds great. This this is wonderful. Now, caution on story. I don't realize truthfully. There's all this talk and bullshit banner in my whole career about Air Force guys and Navy guys and Marine guys. We all, we just give each other shit, right? Right. But yeah, because the Air Force and Navy deserve it. That's right. <laughs> especially, especially the Air Force. That's right. Well, yeah. Yeah. And you know, right? Shit. So, yeah. so anyway, so yeah. I'm like, I don't realize this until I go. And and so luckily I've got another, I've got a Marine Harrier guy. I've got a Navy Hornet adversary guy and me going through the transition F-16 RTU rag thing at Kelly Air Force Base in Texas. And... Let's just caveat all of my story by saying all the dudes are awesome. I really like the dudes. It's more of the policies and processes that are so different, right. so amazingly different. So I have no idea about this. And I'm just the Navy guy. So I'm doing what I normally do. And, and so, are, so are my compatriots, the three of us in this class, where when we come back to Kelly, it's like, hey, you know, whatever our call sign was, three miles to the initial request carrier. And the tower goes, oh, that's approved. And I go, Roger that. And I put my foot on the throttle and I push it straight through the firewall and I go as fast as I freaking can and break. Yeah. Right. And, and so at, at 800 feet. Yeah, absolutely. At 800 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's the altitude for the carrier break. Exactly. And so I drop it down to 600 AGL on down when it come back around and land. And at this, I mean, I did a flight and so the, uh, you know, the opso or something's running out there, you know, to the right. So I'm getting out. I was like, what the fuck was that? You know, and I'm like, what the, what the fuck yeah. was what? You know, I'm yeah. literally like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was a landing. What was I too slow? <laughs> you know that Air Force regulations require three, no more than 300 knots at 1500 feet. Now you were well lower than well faster than that, mister. Yeah. What do you have to say for yourself? I'm like, uh, that is correct, sir. I asked for the carrier break approved by tower. I executed the carrier break as a carrier break would be executed and landed safely. And he kind of was like, that is not allowed. <laughs> like, and of course, I'm like, it doesn't say that I can't do that anywhere. I didn't know I couldn't do it. Well, <laughs> uh, here's the Air Force rule. It doesn't yeah, say you can. <laughs> you can do it. You can't. Yeah. There's the rub. 
There's the There's start the of my Air Force Air Guard career. I'm like, what is going on? So then right. we get in, we get in this we get in this other sortie where it's like, okay, uh, we do this thing, whatever it is, and we're like, hey, we got some extra time. Let's burn some gas. We'll come over here. Let's do some stuff. Okay, we're done. Let's go back to the base. Well, it turns out that we land. <clears throat> no, I'm not kidding. No more than 15 minutes late than our scheduled land time. Like it's going to be. It's supposed. We're supposed to land at 1400. We land at 1415. I don't know what it is, but yep. that happens. So we land, everything's fine, and we go. And, and the Air Force, or at least for us, you go to whatever it is, and you have to debrief what you did every sortie, and then you go undress, and then you go debrief yourself, and then you debrief again, I'm sure. Right. Anyway, so we, as we debrief, this, the squadron commander's there, and he's like, and, he, and I'm not the flight lead, but he goes to my blue-blooded, born-and-bred Air Force flight lead captain, thinks it was Stoner. He's like... You're 15 minutes late. We're talking about this. And I and that's it. I'm like, what the hell is that? The next morning I show up and I'm like, hey man, what's going on? And he's got the brick. So he's in soft, right? And they made him soft for the week because he overflew his land time by 15 minutes for our sortie. And I was like, dude, you got in trouble for overflying? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, matter of factly, yeah. And it's like, did we affect the next wave of flights he's like no he's like, yeah because we had like two hours between the next turn right what's the big deal so he's like yeah. that being said i mean i can't tell you how many times i've overflown my land time <laughs> right? yeah. i don't even know what my land time is that's like we have to take off at six hey and usually it's like i don't know so much gas i mean we'll be, yeah, yeah I mean, we'll be back when we're out of gas yeah, until right. then so like, <laughs> what else is going to happen i don't know yeah. so so it, so that's what i'm used to so that happens. I'm like, holy shit. They basically grounded Captain, whatever the hell his name was, for a week, put him on the duty with the bricks so that he, because he overflew his land time for three for 15 minutes. I was like, wow. So now I'm kind of got this going, oh, this is getting kind of weird. So then I get back to my squadron <laughs> and we're doing an LFE. We're talking LFE. We're talking like mega planes joining a tanker going to the Uter, which is the Utah uh, airspace up there by Salt Lake. Uh, Hill, Hold on. Air Force okay. Base. LFE. <clears throat> Large Force Exercise. Boom. And, That's a new and, one. Repeat. Yeah. Bunch of airplanes. Yep. Bunch, Bunch of airplanes. BOA. <laughs> BOA going to the MOA. <laughs> Military Ops Area. <laughs> right. So we go. And, and, and I hope you got their PDQ. <laughs> That's well, so that, the PDQ part is the issue. So we're right. off, and I realized that. We're a little late. I mean, you can tell there's some issues with somebody on ground ops, something with admin issues, and we, we take off about five minutes late, but with all of the ATC issues from from where we are to get to the tanker, to get to the uter, as we're going to the tanker, it's clear that we're going to be late for our appointment on the tanker track. And so the flight lead, and there's like eight of us, like just strung out. <laughs> and and uh the F-16, like I said, you have a, like you can say, Hey, here's my waypoint. If I move the throttles, it dynamically shows you based on your fuel flow, time to waypoint and then burn and things like that. Right. And, Pretty and they're nice. like, we're clearly late. We're not going to make this. We're going to cancel and turn back. What? Dude, we all have like two Mark 84s and then a Lord, it's a ton of stops. Like, we, it's like, can't we just go faster? It's like, we're not going to make it. And I'm like, dude, I'm showing, yeah, if we set 800 pounds, we're going to make it to the tanker like a minute late. He's like, that's late, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, but it's a minute. We can make this happen, man. Let's make it happen. And so it was just, he elects to finally make it happen. We get to the tanker and it's like, yeah, we're still going to be about two minutes late. Dude, let's go faster. 
<laughs> we're, you're flying at eight two. Let's go nine eight. <laughs> and, and worst case, we'll bingo into hell. I mean, it's right yeah. there. I mean, so but again, it's that whole thinking outside yes. the box. Yes. Well, the box. this isn't matching up with my matrix here, so therefore we're done. I don't even yeah. know what this means, but I can make it. Let's go do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a totally different mindset. They're very good at execution. You know that they're very good at what they do. But it yep. just seems like when things go a little sideways, it gets a little weird. Whereas we, I think it's always weird. We're always off script. Nothing ever goes to plan. Everything's fucked up, and we make it. We always make it happen because we're that type of. That's how we grew up. We're flexible. So, yeah. So, Air Force has no flexibility. No. And so yeah. once we finally get him to finally go, okay, fine, we'll go. Let's go faster. We we make it and all that kind of stuff. That's great. Between our tanker trek and the Uter is Moab and you know John Wayne country. And right. my buddy, OB, not the same OB. There's you know, there's five thousand Marine Corps OBs that fly the Harrier. <laughs> yeah. This OB, he's like, he literally says like Man, it's on tack. It's our aux freak, our backup frequency. Yep. And he's like, yeah. wow, this is God's country. This is so beautiful. And I'm about ready to go click, like, say, amen, brother. It's just something because it's yeah. so gorgeous outside. Flight lead comes out and says, who said that? Click. I'm like, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> there's not going to be any extraneous calm on the on communications uh, on our mission. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, what? I didn't. Well, there already was. Who said that? No. <laughs> who said what? Yeah, so we land, right, and we're at Hill, and we're, and we're finally debriefing this huge exercise. After we finally get to Hill in one of our sister squadron spaces, and he starts in with that. And my OB, the Marine's about ready to, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip off his head and shoot down his neck. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he starts into this. I'm like, whoa, hey, hey. And, and they almost get to blows over this whole extraneous con because OB said it was so beautiful outside. Are you, and so, I, I, so this whole thing is me going, okay. Maybe my choice to go to the Air Force wasn't the best idea in the world. So as this happens, more and more things happen. And I finally go, I'm done. Because what happens is I call in sick to a sortie. And my wife is like, what did you just do? It's like, I just called him sick. I'm not going to make it. It's like, you realize that that's the first time in X amount of years of me being with you as your wife and as a tactical aviator that you've ever called in sick. You've never called in sick in your life. You go ears bleeding to a sortie in the Navy. And I was like, wow, you're right. So I walked in that day and I walked into the ops group commander, the deputy, whatever that is. And I kind of said, sir, I need to quit. And he said, what? He's like, you can blame it on me for being, call me a squid, call me whatever it is, but I'm not having fun here. I'm yeah. going to go back to the Navy. And he's like, what are you talking about? And it's like, boss, you have taken, you have taken one of the coolest airplanes with the and squeezed all the fun out of it. <laughs> yeah, and have sucked the living fun out of everything I could possibly imagine. And he, and, and he just looked at me like, I, I don't understand what you're saying. And this is the point. So I like to have fun. I'm funny. (laughs) I'm a a people person. Can't you see that? (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, so I quit. And I did the process of going back to the Navy after that. They went back to the Navy, thankfully, and went back to my adversary life. um, They take you, uh, they they take you back with open arms. My bros were all about, come on back. And the leadership was, he just, you know, they were not, they didn't want anything. Luckily, yeah. Quitter. Luckily, Luckily, the, Luckily, there was enough support to get me back in, and I was able to get back in. Good. Ooh, oh, that's awesome news. Back. Hey, Repeat, have you listened to the Jordan Harbinger show lately? I have, and I am loving it, Fig. The guests he gets on the show are fascinating. Absolutely. I especially like the episode I listened to last with uh, David Packhouse, the real-life gunrunner and the inspiration for the movie War Dogs. Oh, that was a great one. 
But I'll tell you, for me, Terry Crews was a standout. I met him on a layover recently, and he was a super nice man. He's a genuinely talented actor and comedian, and boy, was that fun to actually get to learn more about him after meeting him. Dude, that's awesome. That's the beauty of the Jordan Harbinger show. There's something for everyone. You know, he dives into the minds of uh, fascinating people from athletes, authors, celebrities, scientists. I mean, it's huge. It is. And, and he's got a talent for getting his guests to share never heard before stories and insights. It's always thought provoking. Exactly. Without fail, he, he seems to pull out tactical bits of wisdom in each episode, all with the purpose of making you more informed and a critical thinker. Absolutely. And point blank, Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny, and easy to listen to. You'll be hard-pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and actionable advice that can directly improve your life. So, for all of our So There I Was listeners out there, don't miss out on The Jordan Harbinger Show. You can search for it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you use the URL jordanharbinger.com slash start, you'll get some special bonuses. That's right. The Jordan Harbinger Show is a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. So don't just ignore our suggestion to listen to this like you probably do with your other friends who tell you to listen to the podcast. Just don't do it. <laughs> you can't go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in Bravo, I-N as in November, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So I want to hear about Paco and the knife fight death roller that inspired Top Gun 2. Might you have something to do with that? So Paco, Paco, and the Paco knife is yeah. one of my most favorite pilots to know, uh, be friends with. I knew him post-operational uh, tour when he showed up to the Saints as reservist man oh man he, he i think originally he was an a6 pilot and then he went to the tomcat and unfortunately not the d he got to experience all things shitty about the the mighty tomcat a and uh survived to, to talk about it it was a, a great american who does a lot of stuff now on the side aviation wise but um we were we were very intimately how do i say this we had a great relationship in the sense that we were good friends but we loved to challenge each other in the air. And it was typically through, I mean, the challenging was like, hey, would you like to try this tactical uh, procedure? It was more like, are you ready to go, bitch? Because I'm going to kick your ass. It was like, let's go. guns only? Yeah, let's do it. And so and that's kind of how it starts. And in Fallon at the time, before the land of everything now, 21st century, I mean, you could, you could finish the flight schedule and it would be, call it 1600 on a Thursday afternoon. You're like, everything's done. It's quiet out here. You want to do 1v1? <laughs> I don't know. Let's go see. And you call mate. It's like, hey, man, you got jets. Could we like throw a couple jets on the schedule? And they'd and literally be like, yeah, sure. You got uh, zero one and zero five. Okay, cool. Brief. I mean, we, so adding on the flight schedule, doing shit like that was very, very normal. And so. Hey, hey, hey. Was, was the brief SOP? Yeah. Any questions? It was, it was, yeah, that was pretty much it, dude. At the point, because you flew with each other so much yeah. Yeah. that you, you knew SOP. You're like, it was like, okay, brief questions, Roger that. And we'd go through training rules. We'd go through out of control flight procedures and this, that, and the other. And we'd walk to the jet and we'd go. And Paco and I got to a point where we were so, we flew together a lot or we did this little, hey, let's go, you ready to go, bitch kind of thing a lot whenever we were together. And it was, I don't, and it was nothing ever bad. It was awesome. 
But we always push the envelope, push the envelope, push the envelope to where we talked about rollers and pirouettes and things before that those fights that I would get involved in. But it's because of Paco that I got so good because he pushed, he pushed me and I pushed him. And remember I told you about that 500 foot bubble, right? We always had this training rule yes. imposed 500 foot bubble. And once again, parentheses, statute of limitations are here. So fuck it. I'm just I'm going to tell you what we did because I think it was, it was actually good because, you know, when you go through training, in any capacity, and you have rules like, hey, you have a no lower, no lower than this, or you have no closer than this for ranges. You train to that. You're used to seeing that. But when you get into war and you go to combat and you realize that 500 feet is space that I can capitalize on. It's turning room. It's turning room that I could achieve. I've never seen that before. I've only seen 500 feet. Everything else inside that is like, oh, this is bad because it's a it's a violation of training rules. Where it's like, actually, no, it's not bad at all. So off the record, Paco and I would push it closer and closer and closer. And the best parts of it were we'd start off normal, but the fights would get tighter and tighter and tighter to where that one scene in Top Gun Two where Mav kind of rolls over Rooster is like, you see me now. We never did that, but the departure from that into that death spiraling roller. Was something that Paco and I did all the time. And I looked at my wife, I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's Paco and me. They took that. We could sue. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, that's all alleged bullshit as far as I'm concerned. But Paco yeah. and I would literally get in these knife fights where, and the knife fight or the phone booth, as we call it, are these, yep. what you saw in the movie, there's these death spirals where you're just kind of going in this crazy ass tight circle. And there's two objectives one is to flush the other guy out, two is where am I? And you want to get to as low, low to the deck as possible with the right amount of energy to come around and shoot the dude. Hopefully. So that being said, as we would start these maneuvers, it got to the point where we would literally look up. And I remember vividly on one maneuver, Paco was on the other side of the, this fight. And he literally raises his hand and I could see him do this. <laughs> he gave you a salute, huh? <laughs> he's, he's flying across. He's looking at me. He's like, <laughs> and I can see his finger, and yeah, I don't realize that's close. That's how close, close bro. that needs to be, right? Yeah, that's so I'm like, yeah. like and so as we're doing, I was like, dude, did you just flip me off? We're fighting. <laughs> He's like, fuck you. <laughs> that's just supposed to be everything. So as that happened, we did it a lot. I mean, it was not all the time, but we knew when we got into it, and uh, we pushed each other hard. And it was just one of those things where we normally violated training rules to basically keep ourselves to me it was it was wonderful because we knew our limits we would never do that with anybody else but at the same time it's good to see what that looks like so that if it were to ever happen you know of course yeah, now it's not the first time you see it then there's an old saying right train like you fight right fight like, like you fight. train train like yeah. you fight because if you don't train like you're going to fight. Yep. You're going to fight like you train and you're going to get your ass handed to you. Yep. Right. I can tell you this. My first time, the first time I got busted off, I'm in the Tomcat D and I'm cocky as shit because I just, I just killed this adversary pilot in Fallon. And I was like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, fuck day, hell yeah, you're dead. Let's do the next set. And he, and, and he, I, I can tell he's pissed. And his, and his call signs pager. I love him to death. <laughs> and, it was literally like he pulled the PC SOP training rules world circuit breaker. He was going to make sure it never happened again. And so we had our first pass. We come around and this guy comes so close to me 
I literally stopped flying. I was like, left to left, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, can I stop? And as I stop, I'm like, oh, my God. And I watched the guy behind me come around and shoot me, knocks it off. I'm like, okay, we're done. Let's go home. I'm like, going home, holy shit. And that's when I was like, wow. Yeah. That's that turning room we're talking about that I, yes. that I think just we can't touch. But right. He touched it, and holy shit, scared the shit out of me. Kicked my ass. Well-deserved. <laughs> nice. That is awesome. You know, uh, I, I think I've told this story before. I don't know if I told it to you about the uh, the guy, the the Top Gun aggressor flying the F five out in Fallon. You know, and he we were we were in that spiral like you're talking about, and we were really yeah. tight. I could see, I could almost read the kneeboard that was strapped to his thigh. Well, yeah. I noticed that uh, he was putting out some smoke, and I'm, I mean, I'm I'm doing everything I can do to just, just stay neutral. Yeah. Well, we got down to the deck and knocked it off. Well, I remember when we go to the debrief and we got to that, we were started to debrief that particular sortie and he, I go, Oh yeah. Hey, by the way, I saw some smoke coming out of your, uh, like some extra smoke coming out. It was, it was, and he goes, Oh yeah, I flamed one out, but I, I got it relit. So he was fighting me, <laughs> flamed one out, went through a relight. <laughs> Meanwhile, didn't give an inch. You know, it was all I could do for it. You know, all I could do to keep him kicking my ass. That's awesome, man. In one <laughs> month, awesome. yeah, it started with two. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying you're saying we were neutral and you had half an airplane, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, my ego went. Oh. Yeah. 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 There's that. <laughs> uh, we get time for one more story, repeat. I, I think I think we just might. Yeah. Oh, had, had a keg in your back seat. Had a good combat sortie. Life is good. Um, you prepped yeah. a heavy, huh? I did. It was pretty interesting. So as a NAVCAD, this is my, one of my most rewarding stories, only because I'm blessed with the skill of luck and timing. I mean, I do my best to, to be excellent and seek excellence, and as we all do, right? And uh, most of the time, it ends up being excellent because it, it just happened and you didn't fuck this up and luckily you made this work and oh it all fell together right and so that's kind of been my life <laughs> and uh we're 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 in iraq or in, we're in the, the gulf and they're planning for a strike the next day and uh somehow it just gets into the whole something like setting up i'm initially like dash two and i'm setting up the board you know we're getting everything together and i've got it you know we as as tomcat dudes you kind of deploy and have your backseater. You have a crew. You work together mm-hmm. the whole time. You don't like flip flop and ha- like in the airlines where you have like who the hell knows who I'm flying with today. It's like, you have a guy, pair. right? Pair crew. Pair crew. So I'm set up the board, and then my skipper walks up. He's like, "Kima, this is going to be your strike lead checkout." I'm like, "Okay, that sounds great, sir. Whatever. I'll let's set it up." Yeah. So I'm going to be one. Yeah, you're going to be one. Okay. So I've changed some names, and then <laughs> Cag walks in, who is. Uh, Unlike, I'm sure Marines had, might have had, had the mustaches of, of, you know, the day, but, you know, the walrus kind of a thing. Yeah. And the, yeah. so Cag walks okay. in and he's like, and he's kind of like, hey, what's your name? Playing cards, you know? And oh, we're playing for the strike. He's like, hey, Kimo, I'm going to find your back seat. You cool with that? You have to say what a Cag is. <laughs> <laughs> Repeat, drink some water. Um, drink some water, bro. So uh, CAG is the carrier air group commander. He is the 06 or captain slash colonel uh, in charge of every squadron attached to the carrier. From the E-2s to the S-3s to the, uh, in this case, every Super Hornet, but 
basically CAG has ownership over every squadron in the carrier battle group and typically flies with one or two of the squadrons. In this case, our CAG, Ham, was an amazing man to this day, one of my most respected people I've ever met as a mentor and whatnot. But he, he was our CAG, and he was a backseat of Tomcat, so he flew with us, most part. And so he walked in, and I'm sitting at the board. He's like, hey, uh, Kimo, I'm going to fly with you in this strike. And it's like, okay, yeah, no, in your seat, in, in, in your back seat, you cool with that? And I'm like, absolutely, sir, that'd be great. And he walks off, and my backseat looks at me, and he's like, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I just want to tell you both, good luck. We're all counting on you. Yeah, right. he was, we're all like, counting well, on you <laughs> like, right come back and help me with the board he's like dude i'm out i'm not flying this sortie <laughs> i'm gonna make some popcorn and watch you flail on the brief and like thanks right. a lot and i'm a so i'm a jg i'm uh i'm an o2 uh a first yeah. lieutenant in anything else other than navy and i'm getting my strike <laughs> lead checkout or qual so i'm like i'm cool with it i mean in the sense i've done this before i could set it up but i'm just not ready for it in the sense of this guy now, the head dude, is sitting in my plane, and we're going to go do this thing with with five other squadrons and roll forward 12 hours. Boom, I'm in the ready room, and I'm briefing a filled ready room of every squadron and every airplane that's going on this flight. And shit, it just kind of hits me going. And so I need to back up because I still use this in the, in the Sims to this day, but uh, so I'm setting up the board after all this happens and my skipper walks up to me and he's like, hey, Kimo, Kimo Sabi, just so you know, man, you're doing a great job. Don't fuck this up. And he walks off. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, like and I'm like, thanks, thanks, board. skipper. So I'm like, literally, God damn it. Anyway, so I set it up. So we brief the next day and everything we launch, we tank, we go, and it is surreal. I'm not I'm I know that I'm good enough to be the man I am with the squadron I'm in and I'm respected and liked and ridiculed equally. I'm not the best. But somehow by some act of the gods, I am hitting the tanker, the track, we're going, we push, time on tire, we drop bombs. I'm like, what the shit is going on? It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, we get bombs on target. We come back, we get to the stack of the ship, and this is where it gets great because I, CAG kind of knows me. We ride motorcycles when we're, t- you know, when we're back home in San Diego, blah, blah, blah. We, so he knows who I am, and we, we're, it's professional. There's nothing I mean, other than that. So, uh, But we come back, and we're in the stack. And in the stack then, it, I'm sure it could change, but in the stack we had the Hornets on the lowest, and then it was the Toms, and it kind of went up to like the E2 at the, at the top of the stack. And, you know, you watch the deck, and as you're watching the deck of the carrier, the job of the first, the lowest part of the stack is to break the deck, as they call it, which means basically go to where you can go into the overhead, turn downwind, come onto base as the jet blast deflector is going down, the optical lens system turns on, and you trap. That's the that's the goal of, of break, and you, it's all timing and experience, yeah. really. Yeah, so... so- I hate to do this, oh, but oh, you got to. But again, a lot of people aren't pilots, so I know what the yeah. stack is. I know what the deck is. I know what the jet blast deflector. Can you? My apologies. No, no worries. Just uh, break it down for those who aren't yeah. aren't so, because it is. This is fascinating stuff, whether you're a pilot or not. I mean, it's pretty cool. It, the, it's it's a ballet in the sky to bring really airplanes is. back aboard a carrier. It's it's fantastic coordination beyond and anyone's I, belief. And I'm gonna miss half of all the cool shit. But thank you, repeat. So the stack, when you go to the stack, it's kind of like if you, it's like going in, 
it's it's like the holding pattern, you know, as you're going into uh, an airport. We're like, hey, uh, we've got we've got this delay. You need to hold over here, and they put you in a stack about by in thousand foot intervals. And in the airline world, I guess, or the commercial world, you'd probably be stacked by just whenever you get there, you're right. going to be the next guy above you, the other guy. Whereas in, in the military or in the Navy for the carrier, you you had the Hornets at 2,000, the Tomcats at 3,000, the, the A6s at 4,000, the S3, you know, whatever it was. There was a yeah. stack. You knew your altitude, and you had lookout doctrine to kind of find your other bros and kind of get in the circle above the carrier, and you would wait until the carrier was ready, and then each altitude, the lowest to the to the top, would start to break the deck, which means they would they would break out of the circling holding pattern and enter the overhead, break, turn downwind to land on the boat. And as that as it happened, the stack would decrease, and the stack would go down until the last uh, aircraft was recovered. Okay. So, in this case, the Tomcats are above the Hornets, and we always always fucked with each other with regards to the Hornets being the first ones to go and then the Tomcats went next. So usually it's like, all right, the, yeah. we know it's these guys. Okay, they're going to go. And as this is happening, and in this particular story with CAG and the strike coming back, the Hornets are fucking it up. So I'm looking at the deck and the CAG's looking at the deck and it's like, they should have gone by now. I'm like, yes, sir, they sure should have. <laughs> Flying around the circle. <laughs> like, why haven't they gone yet? I have no idea, sir. That's kind of weird. Yep. <laughs> Fly my little thing, and I'm like, and I'm finally going. I, he's like, he's like, if you don't do what I'm thinking, you think I'm thinking. In the next thirty seconds, we're gonna have a chat because I know he's telling me, fuck those guys, go break Get aboard. the board. Because nice. in the it, it, when you ha when you're in that stack, it is it is valid uh, and acceptable rules to go. The guy below me just blew this off. We're going, and we can. Yep. Totally blow through the deck and go there. So that's so I kind of look at my wingman, and he's and he kind of does the whole. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah <what the> <laughs> it's your ass, not mine. I'm just a wingman. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is binary. This is zeros and ones. This is going to go yes. one way or the other. <laughs> yep. I'm like, okay. so we just go and we blow up the horns. And we blow through, and I can and I, I can just see him like looking at us, going, oh, "Jesus!" And so we blow through, and, go. and we go in there, and, and as I'm going in there, I have two choices. I'm like, well. I could go in at 350 to 400 knots and break down wind, da, 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 da. or I have CAG in my back seat, and I could go in for the shit hot break, and let's see what happens. <laughs> and I don't know what to do because I got CAG in my back. Do I show off? Right. Do I not? Should I do? Maybe do I maintain SOP? And so Repeat's like, favorite question: What could yeah, possibly what? go wrong? <laughs> go wrong. So, so what do I do? I'm like, I, I look at my women, and he's like. I'm like, mm -hmm. Fuck, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so let's we, go. <laughs> so we, I just light them up, and we come into the break. And so our the the best thing to do, uh, and you talk to many, many people on your show, but you definitely want to break pre ship or at the stern, right? You want to break right. right over the LSO platform. And so yeah. I get to about five fifty six hundred knots as we're coming in, and I'm like, well, I've already set myself up for either failure or success. John Wayne <laughs> on the break, Pee Wee Herman on the ball, as we call right. it. See what happens. So I'm like, well, why wait? So I just, I just kiss off my women. And I break right over the also platform, and I just pray. <laughs> Please God, 
I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I've got a CAG in the back. It would really be nice if we could just make this happen. So it's, and, and you have to do a double break because you're going so fast. You, you pull max G for 90 degrees and then you kind of extend, get your breath and then do another max pull to, to slow the airspeed down because we have to get our wings out and whatnot. So as that's happening, I'm like, and we're timing it. Like we're looking at the ship and I'm like, this is about right where I think this is good. And as I get to about 90 degrees off, I turn down when I start my base turn to final. I'm like, I have no idea anymore because I've lost too many blood cells to wonder where I am in this pattern. So I'm either going to see a Fresnel lens that tells me I've got some glide slope or they're going to give me some red lights and I'm going to go around and CAG is going to kick my ass. <laughs> either way, what can what, that's all I got. So let's yeah, just so go. So Get your no so grade and keep going. <laughs> by the sheer act of God, dude, I'm not kidding you. I get to the 90, I look out, I'm like, holy shit, the deck is clear. I get to the 45 and I'm like... Maybe this is going to boop. All of a sudden, the OLS or the optical landing system turns on. The meatball's yeah. there. And I'm like, holy shit. And if you had, if you said, Kimo, how'd you do that? I would say, I have no fucking idea. No, I don't <laughs> have one. So I roll out in the groove, and the, led, the lens comes on. Centered ball. What the shit? A couple of little flicks of DLC. Poop. Three wire. And all I hear is this. Look at that. And that's CAD banging on the canopy going... That's how you do it. That's how you do it. From that, if everybody did it like that, this that was fucking amazing. And I'm, and I'm like, and I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what I do. Yeah, what I do. And so the whole mission was literally luck, timing, and I, I, I and luck. I was, I was yeah. blessed. Yeah. I was blessed. Yes. I mean, yeah, we we all have our levels of skill, and we were all capable of doing the job, but to have it all happen. Oh, right. Like perfect, right? Well, perfect, and I get the OK underline three wire on that pass from. Why not? Nasty, well, I mean, why wouldn't you? I think nasty. Oh, it was nasty. Did wow. No, actually, nasty was our skipper, so it wasn't him. But but he was okay. there in the, in the ready room, and he's looking at me like, nice yeah. Job, Kimo. yeah, yeah. He's, he's got the mustache, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a good man. So, anyways, that was that was my thing. I wish I could say that I did that all the time. That was the one time I could literally sit there and go, I executed flawlessly. By the pure blessings of God and the angels around me, because I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> it was so supposed well. to. It was supposed to happen that way, bro. All right. I, I, I got. I got two quick questions. Yes, sir. You used a term. I don't think we've heard it. DLC. A couple clicks of DLC. I mean, I know what it is, but would you? Would you talk about that real quick? What the hell does it stand for? <laughs> Basically, DLC. Something landing control. So you had a, a roller knob on your cock on your stick, and and that roller knob controlled the spoilers on your wings. Yeah. So when you roll them forward, they would they would trigger the spoilers to pop up, which would basically kill your lift. So the gouge that we had was like, hey man, fly a little high in the ball. It's like just like half a ball high, and set the power, solid power, and then you, as you come in, as it goes a little higher, you just DLC this thing, which basically kills your lift, kills your lift, but you have power on the jet. Yeah. Right. Keep so your motor spooled up in case you have to go around. You need to go around. Yeah. So you have one thing to worry about at this point. You don't have to worry about the power because it's set where it needs to be. Solid ball. Let's just DLC this thing down. And that's just, the DLC was dynamic lift control. Boom. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Boom. Well, well played, sir. I like, okay. I like that answer right there. Yeah. Okay. And that, that's 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 question. So, okay. Cool. Thank, thank you for that. Uh, yes, we're going to go with dynamic lift control. Second question. You made a 
You made a mention of uh, riding motorcycles with the CAG back in Garrison, back in San Diego. Yes, sir. Crash Rocket, Harley Davidson. <laughs> CAG was the Harley guy, and I was the Crash Rocket guy. I, I knew that. I mean, why, <laughs> why, why wouldn't you be? Because right? we got we a picture to... of it somewhere. Speaking of which, I you got to send us yes. pictures. But that's yeah. right. That's I right. could do that. Yeah, yeah. you, you owe us more pictures. It was green, wasn't it? It was green. Yeah, it was green with planes and 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 CAG. CAG had like had literally, I think it was like the biggest biggest output Sportster that they bought. I don't know if it's a twelve hundred, but he had the Sportster, you know, the hardest Sportster. So here's me, and, he, and there's CAG, you know, kind of go, and we go up to Pal. Palomar Mountain or whatever down in Sandog, and they had like a sandwich shop up there. But we do all the mountain roads up there, and of course. And uh, he was, dude, he was, he was the coolest cag I ever knew. And uh, I, and, and I, I had a great time with him. I had a great time, and he ended up making flag. And I can't, I lost track of him as uh, our careers progressed. But he was a good, a great mentor in a tactical environment as a cag, as a backseater. You know, I mean, we, we always give shit to backseaters, you know, as Wizzos and NFOs. I can't talk to the P3 moles and E2 moles out there. I'm talking tactical <laughs> backseaters. I mean, they don't know how to fly the jet. They just know where the jet needs to be. Yeah. You know, so yeah. if you, they, they have a lot of good wisdom. And, uh, while they don't have a, I think we have some obviously super guys in the F now that still have Wizzos. Those senior guys, those senior guys, while they might not know how to fly, They've got some experience that can help you out. So yes, but what you had to realize was, was like, hey, I know you're not a pilot. I know you can't tell me how to fly, but I know you've seen where the plane needs to be. Tell me what that looks like. Where is this plane in reference to the other? And what happened? What did you feel? Okay, yeah. I can relate that to how to fly the airplane now. And that's how senior Rios or Wizzos were able to help me fight. You know, they didn't teach yeah. me how to fly. They just gonna go between here and the next point. The plane needs to look like this. You make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Absolutely. So. Right. Oh, that was funny. I forget uh, who it was. I was teaching at 203, and we had, I think he was a, a Phantom Rio, and he was he was at the squadron. And I, so I took him up on a backseat ride, and we got into a fight, and I, I'm like, I'm letting him fly. I didn't realize it. You know, I figured he had a lot of time in the airplanes. He he was doing some flying, and he he couldn't fly for shit. <laughs> it was like he's like, no, I never fly. I just you know, I tell all, I talk to you about it. Tell you how, how to you know it. how to get there from here to there and all that right. kind of stuff. And at one point, and we depart and see that here's the other thing is a single seat mentality. Fig, and you can appreciate this is we did the part and we were inverted, and so we're coming out of the sky like a like a piano. Brick, Brick grand piano and heard off a tall moose. Yeah, and he goes, uh, he goes, you got it, you got. And I'm like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's fine, we got it. But it didn't occur to me to go, oh yeah, I need to communicate to him that we're not in any extremists. Oh you right, know, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was wanting uh, you to say it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you're by yourself, do you say that? No, you just, you know, yeah. you th I think it really loud to myself, and I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Right. Oh, yeah. That was fun. That was a that was a pleasure. Bunch of great stories, Kimo. Oh, Thanks for coming I, back and joining us, man. That I'm happy that perfect. you allowed me on. I love your show. I love listening to every story that's on here. I got to tell you, to have this venue for us is such a treat because we don't. For those that don't have Fig or you like a house down to talk, 
it's a great place to kind of sit there. When I listen to you guys in the show, it's, I'm back in the ready room. I'm back in the bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. You right. Know? Just pilots at the bar, shooting the breeze, yep. telling tall tales. and the- <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, and we've had some great ones. I, mean, I can honestly say, Chemo, not, not, no one that we've ever interviewed, other than you, is as animated the whole time. Right. Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> did you sh- did you shoot your watch? That's the important thing to know. Oh, right? I got my so, shotgun. on. It's still there. Yeah. There you go. Okay, good we're good. Stuff. Yeah. No. Good stuff. Hey, real quick, real quick. There's a yeah. there's so Paco made a a show called uh, Speed and Angels. It's a movie that never made it to the big screen. It was DVD at the end of the outtakes, and so it's like, oh, Top Gun pilots are like the best of the best, and blah blah blah. And the, and the most important thing about yada 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 is the debrief. And it cuts to us, me and Junk Bonds and Grinder and Paco. We're all sitting around the right. We are shit faced. And we're talking about how we fought today. And we're like, yes, I came around. I was like, no, 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 you're a fucking dead bitch. And all this stuff is happening, right? And, and I'm like, holy shit, this is on some fucking DVD somewhere. And, uh, but, but it's funny because you talk about the animations and it's because we're all these professional aviators like, yeah, so we all talk in the third person and this happened. Okay. Next slide, you know, and we get to the bar and we're just totally just grilling and giving shit to people. And it's on, but it's on this. So it's documented. It's on this damn outtake thing. I'm like, Oh my God, we're all drunk. We're getting fired. Cag's going to kill us. (laughs) Was was beating angels a documentary? It, it, well, it started off as Speed and Angels, Last of the Dogfighters, which turned to Speed and Angels, a story of two people going through the rag and then into the fleet. But if you see a blue and gray F5, I think that was me. And then at the end was the outtakes, and it's just a bunch of drunken adversaries. I'm going to go right to the end. I'm oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. right. So I got one here before I wrap it up then. What happened? I just found this out the other day. I'd never heard of this. Maybe you guys have heard of it or not. That isn't an outtake, but it should have been in Top Gun. No, familiar. Have you guys heard of Darth Vader and Top Gun? No, it's so rare. I I couldn't believe it, but sure enough. So at the end of the bar scene, when he's singing to Kelly McGillis, yeah, it's panning back a little bit, and And this is original Top Gun. The original Top Gun, yeah. And it's the scene where he's singing the song that you never close your eyes uh, anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So at, at the end of that. They set it down, and the, as the camera's backing away a little bit, and there's a bit of a crowd scene, you don't notice it because everybody's focused on what's going on in the foreground. A Navy pilot <laughs> walks in in a Darth Vader costume and sits down. It's in the background. <laughs> no way. Wait. Shit. Oh, shit. I, yeah, I didn't believe it either. And I went, you, go look, go look at it. It's at the very, and it's hard to see. Oh, and it happened. Oh, nice. It might be, it, you know, t- there's 24 frames a second. I'll be shocked if, if Darth Vader's in there for, 10 frames, but, but it's, it's in there. Is it blur? And he's in the background and they didn't, yeah. And they didn't cut it. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) fast forward to the bar scene. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's true. I, I was like, oh, that's BS when the guy told me about it. I'm like, okay, so go find, go look for that. The, the bar scene in top. So yeah, Darth Vader. Uh, what's it, the ultimate uh, photo bomb, right? So, right. Oh, oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So for now, <laughs> let's start getting our thank yous out there. First and foremost, thank you to Chemo for your service. Thanks for stepping oh. up and staying up. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. Yeah. I can't yeah. tell you how awesome it is to speak with you. And uh, 
reflect upon my life. It's been a blessing. I've loved every minute of it. So thank you. Well, we're we're all a little better now because we heard we've heard new stories from you. So thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. A couple other things I want to mention. Thank you to Fig. Uh, what's that guy's name? Rhymes with Dave Hamilton. Thank That's you, the Dave. One. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh man, exactly right. Dave. Dave takes good care of us. He's given us all the knowledge and and all the uh, support. He's helped us find sponsors. So we appreciate that, Dave. And this is probably the last time I'll do it because I think we're going to get to the point where I won't be able to do it and be fair to everybody. But I do want to mention all of our Patreon patrons that have stepped up. So yeah, uh, once again, yeah, thank you very much to Chase Cole, Earl McCoy, Sal Marinello, Semper Fi Sal, and Bye. Peter Robinson. Bye. Yeah. Check out our glossary page at sotheriwaves.us slash glossary. Say that three times fast. If you get yeah. a term in there that we didn't explain to you, let us know. We'll try and get it up there. We have a sotheriwaves.us slash sponsors page. Just go to sotheriwaves.us. There's a tab on there. Click on sponsors, and you can get all those links for all the great deals for the sponsors that have stepped up to help us out. There's a little bit of noise in the background. That ain't noise. That's pure gold. Who's that, Fig? That's the Dos Gringos, Dos the two ethnic the Air Force sound good. Yeah, man. <laughs> the only reason why I love the Air Force. Thank right. you. Yes. We, <laughs> right. We appreciate them, what they've done for the country, and we appreciate that they let us use their music. It's so kind of them to do that. So in the meantime, everybody, until next week, stay safe and check six. There I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing on that day. Now an F-16 is cramped enough, but it's even worse with all that stuff supposed to save your life. But we knew there was no way. Because when you're going down the North Atlantic, man, it's over. What's the song say, Fig? It's over. Mistakes were made.